Uh, motorcycling is uh, about having fun. It's a recreational vehicle. You can use it for commuting. You can use it for uh, all kinds of things. But the, the, the very bottom uh, line of motorcycling is it's, it's a fun activity to do. Uh, you're out there having a good time and uh, just keep pushing your riding horizons. Solve problems, go farther. Welcome to the Janus Motorcycles podcast. Our kind of motorcycling is different from what you see from big brands, big bikes. We manufacture classic, simple, small displacement motorcycles because that's what we like to ride. And we're not alone. On this podcast, we talk with some of the smartest and most interesting people we know in motorcycling, design, and manufacturing. We're glad you're here. Hello, and welcome to episode nine of Why We Ride, the Janus Motorcycles podcast. Uh, my name is Richard Worsham, uh, founder and designer here at Janus. And today I am uh, extremely excited to be uh, joined by a good friend and uh, long distance riding, uh, what would you say, aficionado, Tim Masterson, who uh, really introduced me uh, and the whole Janus uh, community uh, to the idea and the concepts of long distance motorcycling. So um, we're really excited for it. Welcome, Tim. It's a pleasure to have you. Richard, thank you very much. And uh, I appreciate being with you. <laughs> well, let's start off and uh, I'm just going to let you uh, give us a little introduction to your backstory. What, what, where, how did you uh, get into motorcycling? What have you done in, over the course of your life that's led to this? And uh, just get us a, give us a little idea, uh, backstory on you. Well, thank you very much. Uh, uh, first off, I'm an old guy. I'm, uh, I'll be 73 years old this year. Uh, so uh, uh, I've been doing long uh, motorcycle riding since uh, uh, really when I was a teenager. I rode a couple of my friends, uh, uh, Gamma Goats. You know, I don't know if you remember what those were. They were uh, lawnmower engines on two wheels. And uh, you just, they're just like little scooters, but uh, I never really had a new motorcycle until uh, April of 1969. This is when I got my very first motorcycle. Uh, I was in the Army at the time. Uh, I had just come back from an overseas tour in Korea, and uh, I got stationed at Fort Benning, Georgia. Mm -hmm. They put me way out in the sticks. I didn't have any transportation, but I did have $800 that I managed to save while I was overseas. So I went down on Thursday afternoon. I went down to uh, Victory Drive uh, outside of Fort Benning in Columbus, Georgia, and bought a brand new Suzuki 1969 T200 uh, motorcycle. Uh, it was a, a two-stroke, uh, had, uh, I don't know, 30 or 40 horsepower. Uh, it was pretty good. It was for $469. I couldn't complain. And uh, I got a premium helmet for $19. It was a, uh, a uh, Bell helmet. Uh, that was on Thursday afternoon. On Saturday morning, I signed out on leave and over the next three days, rode that motorcycle to El Cajon, California to go on leave. <laughs> I was kind of hooked on long distance riding after that. Uh, I slept on, alongside the road uh, uh, for two of the nights. On the third night, uh, someplace in Arizona, I got uh, a hotel for $12. And uh, 
had to take a shower. So uh, that tells you uh, just by the prices how long ago uh, uh, I was riding motorcycles and how cheap things were. <laughs> now I couldn't even fill up a quarter tank of my gas tank for $12. Uh, but at, at any rate, uh, I was kind of hooked on motorcycling after that. And uh, I had several motorcycles before I got out of the Army and, and eventually got out and uh, – in 1970, got married and had a couple then. I had a, a, a 1971 uh, a Bull Taco Matador, which was my first dirt bike. Nice, nice. Lovely time with that. Uh, th- that was so much fun. Of course, you know, I was indestructible being a 21-year-old guy. You know, you don't think anything's ever going to happen to you. And I had a great time with that. Uh, Another two-stroke. Uh, uh, about 30 years of being married, uh, I had one motorcycle here and one motorcycle there. A couple of times when I was in the Army, uh, I went back in the Army and mm-hmm. made a career of it. I, I didn't have – I wasn't riding. Like, I didn't ride a motorcycle when I was in Alaska or Panama, um, a couple of overseas assignments that I went through. Uh, but after I got out, got a motorcycle again, and uh, – to date, I've owned 24 motorcycles uh, in my lifetime, and uh, Janice Halcyon uh, was one of those. So it was uh, a great motorcycle. Or a Griffin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah Griffin, yeah. yeah. I got it confused with your other ones. <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty nice little motorcycle, too. Uh, 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 we can talk about more of this later on, but, yeah. Uh, uh, well, now's a good time to do it. Yeah, I, I'm. I will. I like long distance motorcycle riding. That's what I've been doing. How did you get into? Just so we 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 progress logically. How did you? So you 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 did. You were obviously into long distance riding, but then you. How did that progress over the years? Um, oh, like good point. Just, good point. Ride, would you just ride long distance, or was there a? How did you get into, let's say, like the Iron Butt Association? Yeah, most of the uh, uh, riding that I did up until about 2000 was uh, just what everybody does on a motorcycle. You ride to a friend's house, you go for a weekend ride and things like that. And uh, I never really thought of uh, uh, long distance riding as a sport or a, uh, a hobby until I got introduced to the Iron Butt Association. Iron Butt Association is the world's uh, uh, premier long-distance uh, riding organization, and I stumbled across it one day. And somebody said, "Aren't you, are you are you a member of the Iron Butt Association?" I said, "No, what is that?" So you know, I did some research. This was in uh, around 1999 or so, and I was the typical motorcycle guy where I'd ride down to. Uh, uh, I was living in Virginia at the time, and I'd ride down to uh, Daytona and Daytona, go to Myrtle yeah. Beach and do go to all those motorcycle rallies and have a good time. I was riding Harley Davidsons at the time, and uh, I found out about this uh, organization that kind of sanctions your rides. And uh, for your folks that are listening that are unfamiliar with the Iron Butt Association, uh, it's a free organization to join. Uh, they have some membership levels uh, that uh, most people just jump into. But 
To become a member of the Iron Butt Association, you document your ride of a thousand miles in under 24 hours. And that, that's it. You know, right? That's it. Thousand miles in 24 hours. And uh, a lot of people do it maybe once, maybe twice, and then they're done with it. And they say, okay, yeah, I'm a member. And they get to wear the patch. Kind of looks like this guy here. And uh, uh, they can claim that they've done it. And uh, there's even a record of you doing it uh, for everybody to see. So uh, in uh, uh, 2000, I actually did that on a uh, Harley-Davidson Buell S3T. It was the Sportster uh, uh, engine that uh, Eric Buell threw on a a motorcycle frame and he put some nice cool stuff on it and it was a screaming motorcycle and I rode from uh, Stafford Virginia all the way down to Hardyville North Carolina and back in under 24 hours it was a pretty easy ride it's all up 95 except for the time of, you know they got uh, traffic and everything and that was and then, your first IBA ride yeah that was my first uh, certified long distance ride and just to fast forward a little bit I've done I don't know 35 or 40 of them uh, all documented. Uh, but, uh, uh, then I said, you know, what else can I do than this long distance riding thing? And apparently the, uh, this organization for long distance riders, uh, the Iron Bud Association, every two years, they have a motorcycle rally. And this rally isn't kind of like, uh, uh, the Daytona or Myrtle Beach or, or Laconia or all the rest of those motorcycle rallies where people come and they drink and they have a good party, you know, for three or four days. This is kind of like a uh, scavenger hunt on uh, wheels and uh, it's timed. The Iron Butt Rally is 11 days and 11,000 miles. And it's uh, 11 days straight. Let that sink in for a minute. (laughs) 11 days, 11,000 miles. Usually broke up into three different legs. Each leg, uh, you know, a number of of hours, uh, 60 hours or 120 hours or something like that. And uh, what you do is you get up in the morning, you leave, and you go to these uh, bonus locations uh, that are in a book, and uh, you document when you got there, your uh, odometer miles and the time that you got there, and you go to the next one, you go to the next one, you go to the next one, and at the end of that leg, you get scored on how many you went to, and uh, uh, there's a point value associated with each, each one. They're not all the same point values, so the, the trick is you've got to pick uh, uh, the, pick the greatest right number that you can do in your ride pace ability. And uh, uh, try to get showed up. Well, uh, if you're familiar with the uh, uh, Pro Golf Association's uh, Masters, this is the Olympic event of long-distance motorcycling. Uh, So it attracts all the long-distance motorcyclists around the world. Uh, They generally only have about 100 people uh, get into the Iron Butt uh, Rally and uh, maybe 80 of them finish successfully, and the top 10 are awarded trophies. And you get bragging rights to say, I've been in the Iron Butt Rally, and people go, wow, man, that's the world's toughest motorcycle rally. And you say, yeah, but uh, I was way down in the pack. I've been in three times. I did uh, 2011, 
got a gold medal. That was my first motorcycle rally of any sort. What does that What does that mean? Top what? Uh, top twenty. Top twenty. Okay. Yeah, top twenty people, and uh, uh, in the 2016, I mean 2013 rally, I rode. I got uh, number sixteen, so another gold medal. And in the last Iron Butt rally I rode, which was the 2015, uh, I missed gold by one point, uh, by one place. I was the last silver medal finisher uh, before they announced the gold. They said, okay, that's enough. I'm never going to be anything more than a mediocre rider <laughs> when it comes to the Iron Butt rally. So since then, I've been volunteering uh, to work the Iron Butt rallies, and I, I really enjoy that. And that kind of kicked off my uh, volunteer uh, activities with the Iron Butt rally. The Iron Butt rally doesn't have any employees. Uh, mm -hmm. Michael Kneebone is the president of it, and he probably uh, manages everything. Uh, but uh, uh, most of it's staffed by volunteers. And I've been involved in the ride development and and uh, building up a nice portfolio of different kinds of rides. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what's the history of the IBA, and then and and also like how is the rally different today than it was in like let's say the was it was around in the 80s, right? Yes. Well, the first uh, the Iron Butt Association uh, stemmed out of the Iron Butt Rally. The out, Iron Butt Rally okay. uh, first came about in about 1983, and uh, they started running it every year. Uh, first year, there was only about 11 people to do it. It kind of caught on. The second year, there were more, and then there were more and more and more. Uh, uh, about uh, 1988 or 89, Michael Kneebone had the idea of creating the association so that people can join the association, start to document their rides. And uh, uh, he started with this Saddle Sore 1000. And uh, then there were a couple of more uh, 1,500 miles in 36 hours or 24 hours for the gold level. So mo a lot of the rides are, uh, some of them are distance rides. Some of the rides are geographical rides, and some of them have themes to them. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, the Iron Bad Association started off with uh, those first 11 people that did the Iron Butt Rally, and uh, each one of them got a Iron Butt number from that. Uh, so uh, after they started to bring on hundreds and hundreds of people, uh, you started to develop your uh, the the more people, the higher their iron butt number did. So uh, the way it is today is uh, there's probably uh, 80 or 90,000 iron butt members around the world. And when I got my uh, iron butt uh, uh, certification the first time, my number was 8590, 8,590. And when I got my uh, finished my first Iron Butt Rally, uh, they took that number away from me and gave me 415, 415, which is... Oh, you know, because you're in the rally, I was, you get a new number. I was, the, I was the 415th person to complete the uh, Iron Butt Rally. Uh, 
Right, uh, right. And up until maybe last Iron Butt Rally, more people have gone into space than had finished the Iron Butt Rally. So it's a pretty <laughs> elite crowd. So that's kind of the history of the Iron Butt Association. But now it uh, has morphed itself into this large international uh, organization. And uh, it always wanted to be uh, a, a fee-free fee kind of association. But because of the complexities of the way things are now, you can still join for free. Your first ride is always free and maybe even the second or third. But if you want to do some of the more challenging rides, then they want you to become a premier member. And uh, it's very easy, very cheap. It's like $40 a year, but uh, you get lots of uh, uh, important things like uh, concurrent certification, which means you go to a place where you're going to do a, a, like say a Salasaur 1000 or a coast to coast in 50 hours. And you take a, a picture of your odometer with a dated business receipt that has the date, time, city, state of the place that you're starting. And then you get on the road and you 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 uh, go and every 300 or so miles, you get another dated business receipt. Then at the end, you take a picture of your odometer and the ending receipt and you submit that online and you get instant certification. Then they send you a certificate. You don't have to wait. No, uh, you don't have to, to wait. Approve it. Yeah, that's the way it was forever. Uh, but the Iron Butt Association is uh, uh, just a bunch of normal motorcycle riders like me that have gotten the bug of riding long distance. And uh, uh, I'd like to take this opportunity to tell your, your uh, crowd that uh, you're looking at a guy who got a spontaneous award and draft into the Iron Butt Association uh, by riding his Janus all the way from San Francisco to New York City in 60 uh, or six days. Six days, that's right, yeah. Yeah, and I was happy to be uh, part of that. Well, Tim, you were my, definitely my uh, long-distance riding mentor, so uh, you, you uh, taught, me, taught me enough to get me to get me into it. And uh, well, I've since then done a couple of, uh, a couple more. <laughs> yeah. I've got a lot of backstory on that, uh, that your, your, uh, listeners might be interested in. Uh, well, tell us about then maybe, t- t- yeah, you tell the backstory, but we can also, uh, we can also talk about George Wyman. Uh, yeah. That's where I'm, uh, I'm going to right, right. now. Well, right. my long distance riding hero is a guy called George Wyman. Uh, he was a 26 year old who, in 1903, between he left San Francisco on May 16th, 1903, and rode a motorcycle all the way to New York City in 50 days and arrived on July 6th. His motorcycle was a 1902 California, 1.25 horsepower, 200 cc's. And uh, had pedals on it. Most motorcycles at the time had had uh, were bicycles that had motors on them. Of course, mm-hmm. everybody at Janet's familiar with that because that's where you guys started out. But uh, uh, George was my hero, and uh, I had drafted him into the Iron Butt Association by uh, creating a couple of rides. One ride was uh, the 50cc, which you ride from. Uh, San Francisco to New York City, 
uh, in under 50 hours uh, on your motorcycle during the same period that George did. And the other one was the, the Grand Tour. And the Grand Tour is the one that uh, uh, I invited uh, uh, you to ride, Richard, on mm -hmm. your Janus. And you accepted, showed up. We've got lots of good pictures, and I'm sure everybody's seen those videos. But uh, uh, me and the other organizer of our Grand Tour that year said, yeah, he'll get out there and he'll give it a good shot and, and we'll support him along the way. And, and uh, uh, we never thought that you'd make it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that even almost came to fruition. Uh, uh, Richard was driving across uh, Wyoming and someplace around, uh, I can't remember the name of the town. What was the name of the town? Oh my goodness. Something rock. I don't remember the exact location. Yeah. Yeah. Point of rocks, maybe. Uh, yeah. Apparently he had a breakdown. We, we found out about it and uh, I rode my motorcycle out there and uh, there was some little mechanical issue. Uh, Richard had to go back and he, he got a, uh, go back to the nearest town. I think he got towed. And, uh, and I, I told Cliff, the other organizer, and said, we'll probably never see him again. And we just continued on with the Grand Tour. We were stopping at, uh, at different places and meeting up with the other riders. There were about 14 or 15 riders in uh, doing the Grand Tour. And we were in, we were in uh, Council Bluffs, Iowa. Spent the night. I get up the next morning, open a curtain, and I look across the uh, courtyard and there's Richard outside at the hotel uh, doing preventive maintenance on his motorcycle and I said Cliff Richard's here <laughs> and he ran over to the window and looked and said dang we ran down there and talked to you and you, you apparently from from uh, the middle of, of uh, Wyoming got your motorcycle fixed in the hood in the hotel room. <laughs> in, yeah, you're probably in the hotel room. You rode it all the way to Council Bluffs and got there and was, was met everybody else and uh, was right back on schedule. So you finished the, the Grand Tour and Mike Kneebone, the president of the Iron Butt Association, was so impressed by your long distance ride on a 200cc motorcycle that uh, he immediately awarded you Iron Butt membership status. And uh, uh, that was, to me, that was the highlight of that entire uh, Grand Tour was somebody who kind of duplicated what George Wyman did uh, got recognized for it. So uh, I was really, really tickled with that. That was so much fun, and it was such a memorable uh, uh, experience getting to meet Mike and f learning about it. I mean, it really was thrown into it, uh, but to be able to – it was a great opportunity to prove what a little uh, 250 Halcyon can do. So, yeah, it was yeah. a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And uh, <laughs> that gave me an idea uh, that uh, uh, you also uh, had uh, – during one of my uh, volunteer trips with the uh, or, or sessions with the uh, 2019 Iron Butt uh, Association uh, rally, uh, I stopped by Goshen to see Richard on my way to the next uh, uh, checkpoint, and Richard was following the Iron Butt rally 
Uh, he was going, you know, they, there were daily reports and he was just into it big time. And uh, we met up at uh, Goshen uh, and, and he said, you know, Tim, I'd really like to get into the Iron Butt Rally. And I said, well, Richard, that would be cool. Would you ride one of your motorcycles? And he said, yeah, I'd love to. I said, Richard, you'd never get into the Iron Butt Rally, but I could. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Look, let's let's think let's think this thing out. I mean, what would you think of uh, uh, me riding one of your motorcycles in the Iron Butt Rally?" And of course, you just jumped on it. Uh, so we came up with the uh, Janus uh, IBA IBR uh, project, and the idea was for me to ride in the two thousand and and. Uh, uh, 21 Iron Butt Rally. So right. this was in 2019. So we worked things out. I took possession of a, of a Griffin and started to modify it. And uh, I had a training plan. My training plan was uh, I, I, I couldn't fully commit to riding it in the Iron Butt Rally until I was convinced that I could. Uh, so uh, the, my first hurdle was trying to convince the people in the Iron Butt Rally to let me in on a small CC motorcycle. Now, the Iron Butt Rallies had lots of experience with small CC motorcycles. As a matter of fact, they had uh, somebody ride a Suzuki GN125 and successfully finish. Really? Uh, 125? Wow. Yeah, 125. And there were several scooters that had finished it also. Uh, but that was, those were in the old days when you could ride from checkpoint to checkpoint. The new modern Iron Butt Rally was you had to acquire enough points to be able to become a finisher, which means that you had to go to a whole bunch of, uh, of uh, bonus collection places. And a lot of people, the, the winning bikes are doing more than 11,000 miles in those 11 days. I want to say uh, the last winner, Wendy, uh, she put she did 12 or, or more, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe a lot more than that. Yeah, there are several people... Uh, that have done more than 12,000 miles uh, in an Iron Butt Rally. And there's a record uh, classification for that. As a matter of fact, uh, I did 12,093 in my first Iron Butt Rally. And uh, I'm in that record book. So <laughs> I'm at the very bottom of it, practically. Uh, but uh, the person that's rode the most miles in those 11 days uh, did 14,000 something miles. 14, and the first a woman who ever uh, came out first in an Iron Butt Rally rode over uh, 13,000 miles. And that was just a couple of uh, uh, rallies back. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's a, uh, a very, very elite crowd of motorcycle riders. It's probably less than 1% of all the motorcycle riders in the world have uh, 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 are in the Iron Butt Association yeah. uh, and even a smaller percentage that have been in the Iron Butt Rally. All right, so uh, I went up, I acquired the Griffin, uh, Griffin paid tax on it uh, so I could get it registered in Texas, convinced the Iron Butt people to uh, uh, rally people to let me come in in the hopeless class. And they did that because of your extensive experience. Yeah, I was a veteran and uh, had finished three rallies before. And I outlined them a, a training program 
that uh, I was going to do before I would uh, show up at the start line. And this was the plan with uh, the help of the, the Janus Motorcycle Company. Uh, they were going to be my um, uh, standby technicians. And the idea was I acquire the motorcycle. I uh, uh, farkle it out to make it uh, long distance riding friendly. Uh, we swapped the seat out, took the, off the banana seat and put a, uh, a standard uh, 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 big pan seat on it. It was great. And I started to work on a auxiliary gas tank that we'd put on the back. And uh, uh, I'm sure you guys got pictures of it. I'll send you a picture of, of the one that I uh, yeah, we'll put it in. that I like, and we'll put that up so everybody can see that. But uh, here was my training plan. Uh, the first thing I wanted to do was a saddle saw 1,000. That's uh, 1,000 miles in 24 hours, followed by a coast-to-coast in 50 hours ride from uh, – San Diego to uh, California to Jacksonville uh, Beach, Florida. After that, I would do right around Texas, which was a 3,100-mile course. These are Iron Butt uh, Association certified rides that I would document. After that, right around Texas, the last one was to do 48 states in 10 days. And that was the uh, uh, final training thing. If I can get the Griffin to do 48 states in 10 days, doing oil changes on the road, doing all the maintenance on the road, uh, then uh, I, my ride pace would uh, make it so that I could get enough points in an iron butt rally and finish. I had been pretty good at uh, selecting a route uh, uh, given my previous three iron butt rallies so I could get enough points to uh, finish each of the legs and then qualify to do it. So that was the idea. So in uh, March of 2020, uh, I was going to, uh, I went to the uh, annual Iron Butt Association spring kickoff event, which is at Jacksonville, Florida. And I rode the Griffin all the way out there, and it was great. And the ride that I did was ride from Jacksonville down to Key West and back to Jacksonville. It's the, they call it the Key West, the crazy Key West 1000. Did that without any problem at all. Motorcycle was great, super. And from there, I was going to do the 50cc to go all the way out to California, which was the second training ride, uh, qualification ride that I wanted to do. But you're doing these back-to-back. Back-to-back, uh, back. yeah, sure, yep. why not? And uh, <laughs> rode up to Jacksonville Beach and got a hotel room, left that morning and got to Mississippi and had a mechanical issue and I couldn't find it. I thought it was the battery kept running out and uh, – uh, uh, I, I never could get it fixed, so I had to get the motorcycle towed back home. Got home, tore it all apart, and I discovered that uh, one of the wires that was coming from uh, the rectifier or something like that going to the coil 
had frayed against the uh, frame and it would just cut everything out and the battery would run down and, you know, it wouldn't run anymore. So got that fixed and I said, oh, I put uh, shrink wrap over every wire I could find on the thing to protect them and, and got everything out of the way. And then rode out to uh, San Diego and it was going to do the 50cc going the other way. Yeah, got out there, no problem, changed the oil at a uh, uh, O'Reilly's uh, uh, just before I started, get a fresh thing of oil, uh, left out uh, early in the morning and uh, got all the way to uh, Kerrville, stopped for the night in Texas and uh, got a hotel room, got a good five hours sleep, got up the next morning. Kept riding, 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 and sometime around, I don't know, after 12 o'clock, I was uh, all, almost all the way through Louisiana. I just passed a town called Covington. I, I remember it was Covington because I looked over at a hotel that I had once stayed and said, you know, I, I once stayed at that hotel and uh, uh, kept going. And then the next thing I remember is waking up in a hospital bed. Not, not something you want to have happen. <laughs> yeah. No recollection of anything that happened. I looked, I looked at, at I woke up and said, oh crap, I didn't finish that ride. <laughs> so apparently I had run off the road. Uh, uh, I, I didn't get hit by anything. I had a slow speed crash. I'm, I'm saying it's slow speed because, uh, uh, the damage that was done to the uh, Griffin was really, really minor. I mean, it kind yeah, of like broke, broke the headlight, bent the uh, uh, clutch lever and uh, the handlebar a little bit. I had to tell Richard, say, look, Richard, between now and the rally, this was in May of, of 2000. And the rally was in June of 2021. And I said, Richard, there's no way that I'll be able to heal myself and get all of those things worked out and get through all of the training rides to do the rally. So uh, uh, I brought the motorcycle back up and donated it to Richard. Uh, the <laughs> well, idea was, Tim, why not? Why, what, what's, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. Heal up and get back on it. <laughs> yeah, heal up and get back on it. Uh, I had no idea. Uh, that I would, uh, uh, how long it would take me to recover. I'm back to riding. I, I started back riding in uh, 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 January of uh, 2021. Uh, it was a very, very short ride. Went down to South Padre Island to watch one of the SpaceX things flew up. But there's uh -huh. no way I, there's no way I could have ride long distance uh, yep. and done it. Uh, the original plan was uh, I was going to ride the the Griffin in the Iron Butt Rally, finish it. And uh, uh, from the checkpoint, I was uh, the finishing point. I was going to ride back to Goshen and immediately donate the motorcycle back to uh, uh, Janice. Uh, like I said, that, that was my biggest disappointment of my long distance riding career. Well, we all learned, learned a lot. And uh, it was definitely, a, I think it was a great, apart from obviously we were, uh, I was, I was tracking your progress and, noticed the uh the bike stop and we were we were all worried about you but we were so glad to hear that you were you're okay and not only okay but back to riding a motorcycle at all yeah, so come to find out you were instrumental in my rescue because <laughs> you immediately called uh one of the people you know cliff 
And yeah. uh, Cliff, he knows he knew what to do. He picked up the phone and called the Iron Butt uh, Rally uh, Rally Master Lisa Landry, and she's got so much experience dealing with crashes during the Iron Butt Rally that uh, she got a hold of my wife and got everything worked out, and uh, everything everything turned out okay. After that, yeah. thanks to you. Well, oh, well, let me say one thing before people get too terrified that about uh, long distance riding and especially Iron Butt Association is that. And, and Tim, I'll, I'll kind of uh, get to your feedback on it. But one of the one of the things that the Iron Butt Association prides themselves on is safe riding. And so, uh, what what happened to Tim can happen on any ride. Uh, you know, that is one of the risks of motorcycling. Um, but he's also, if you probably factor in all the miles you have under your belt, you have a pretty, uh, pretty good record for, uh, <laughs> safety. Yeah. And that's something I, the Iron Butt prides itself on. Yeah. That's the, uh, I've had, uh, two crashes that I can remember in my life. And one was, uh, out of all the miles that I've ridden a motorcycle, not counting the, the fall overs in the dirt with a bull taco or something like that right. or, or tip overs, but crashes where you got injured. And the only two I've ever had out of maybe almost a million miles on 24 different motorcycles was a, uh, I got run off the road going to work uh, one morning in, in uh, 2000 when I was in Virginia. And the crash on the on the Janus. All the rest of those long distance rides that I've been on, uh, I you know, there's a thing in the long distance riding community called ride craft. Yes, I kind of define ride craft as the knowledge, skills, and abilities used by a long distance motorcycle rider to maintain a consistent ride pace, manage risks and achieve navigational objectives. The short thing of that is stay on the motorcycle, don't crash, and get where you <laughs> want to go. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, I've uh, prided myself on not using excessive speed to get to where I want to go. I always want to maintain a consistent ride pace, stay on the motorcycle, cut your fuel stop short, uh, cup to your rest stops uh, uh, long enough to make sure that uh, you get good night's sleep. And for me, that's uh, f- uh, five to seven hours uh, every day. So mm-hmm. uh, even during the Iron Butt rallies, I would get at least four hours of sleep at night. Most of the time, it was six hours. And uh, uh, a lot of times, it was eight hours because they would they – would, uh, uh, give you points for a rest bonus. Uh, mm-hmm. You'd get uh, X number of points for every minute up to eight hours. So you, Hey, it's easier to just stay in a bed for eight hours than it is to go out and look for bonuses. But, yeah. uh, and they uh, monitor the your, so, they monitor your speed too. Uh, yes. The modern uh, iron butt rally monitor speed and they will, they will take away all of your points for a day uh, if they catch you speeding and you could even be thrown out of the rally for speeding. Yep. Uh, another organization, the Hoka Hay <clears throat> folks, a lot of the uh, uh, <clears throat> Harley Davidson riders, uh, that's their iron butt rally, if you will. And it's about the same time or same uh, miles, uh, 10,000 miles in about 10 days or so. And they put uh, 
GPSs, fleet tracking GPSs on your motorcycle. And if you get a, a traffic ticket for speeding, you're, you're done. They just throw mm-hmm. you out. You're unqualified. So yep. uh, the long distance riding community is not about uh, reckless motorcycling. It's about uh, safe motorcycling. Yeah. So one, I, I didn't want to ask you about that, that, that concept of ride craft. Actually, the idea of, of bringing uh, Tim on the podcast is really, I was thinking about ride craft. And when, when, when I did the Wyman ride, uh, San Francisco to New York, uh, that was one of the things that you kind of, tr- you, you kind of uh, gave me a crash course in what long distance riding was and how IBA scoring is done and w- what it means to maintain a ride pace. Um, and, uh, the, um, the idea that you, you want to get from, well, how, how am I going to say this? Um, you're, you want to be safe, but it's also that you, there's a lot of factors that go into going, getting anywhere and ride craft it has, it's like a balance of safety. Well, just like you said, staying in the saddle, getting to the destination and, and, and you know, doing it, doing it safely. Uh, I want to say something like, I, I feel like those are the same ride craft is not a skill that's only for long distance riders. It's actually a skill that we use every time we get on a motorcycle. Long distance riders are interested in basically like testing the limits of what you can do in everyday riding. It's not on a track. It's everyday riding in traffic. And it's kind of like the extreme version of, of regular riding, right? And so those, those principles of ride craft are things that we can use all the time on a bike. Do, how do you, what do you think about that? Uh, well, I've given it a lot of thought. Uh, I had a career in the, in the military I was in the army for 23 years, and one of my specialties was uh, systems analysis. And uh, I got a job down at uh, uh, Fort Rucker, which is this aviation school. And they put me through a course called uh, instructional systems development, where you you go out and you design a a program of instructions to teach somebody how to, in this, my case, it was fly a helicopter. But uh, all of the things that I learned from that experience, uh, uh, I applied to the long distance riding tasks that I was doing. And uh, uh, there's a Venn diagram that uh, you probably have uh, up on the screen by now, but it's Mm -hmm. uh, riding on the clock. And if you put the rider at the center of that Venn diagram, uh, the rider has to balance many things. And I've grouped those up into five categories. One is riding and risk management. You got to stay on the motorcycle and you can't crash, right? And uh, there's also the ride pace and resource management where you uh, your main tasks there are to stay on the motorcycle uh, riding at the speed of traffic, maybe a little faster, maybe a little slower sometimes, but you're managing those resources. The resources are the fuel, the, the, the uh, uh, food that you eat, the 
rest that you take, uh, the time that you spend on the motorcycle as a resource. Uh, you can't do it all at once. You have to have rest breaks in there and all of those things. And of course, you have to, there's the other side of that uh, coin is the uh, uh, planning and navigation. You've got to plan your ride. You've got to mm-hmm. set out where you're going to stop, uh, how long you're going to be there, and you have to be able to navigate that. And uh, everything while you're riding, there's all kinds of problems that come up, and uh, problems cause stress, and stress causes problems. So you have to be able to manage those things. And for the long distance riding community, there's the personal courage of uh, pushing yourself. Uh, uh, not beyond your physical limits, but uh, beyond your comfort limits. Out of your of, comfort you know, I haven't been yeah. that far. I haven't climbed a cliff like that before. Yeah, I haven't uh, uh, gone that distance before. Uh, so it takes a little personal courage and the commitment to stop the ride if things get out of hand, mm-hmm. or continue to ride uh, if you can still. Uh, maintain the, a good ride pace and, and resource management. And, that, and, that, and that, that, that ability to make those choices takes discernment and uh, some level of, of experience and skill. And those are things that, that uh, I don't know if everyone's cut out to be a, you know, to, to, to participate in the Iron Butt Rally, but the skills that, that go into doing that successfully are things that can teach all of us, all of our riding to be a, cause you have to do that. You, there is stressful, even on a Sunday afternoon ride. Like one of the, one of the concepts that we've been talking a lot, or I've been talking a lot on this podcast and in our, just thinking about what we do at Janus is this concept, what I call rambling and rambling is, is the, you know, we don't, no one, at least in the U S rides a motorcycle because they have to, we all make a choice at least, at least here, even if we ride it every day as a commuter, We've chosen to do it for some kind of reason, and that reason has to do with, uh, well, it has, it's different for different people, but I think one commonality is that it do, riding a motorcycle is something that you need to, you have to exert some skill, experience, discernment, and take responsibility for your actions. There's courage involved in that. And so, uh, I don't know, I, I just think that some, the, the, the idea of ride craft is it really is fascinating to me in the way that, that, that Tim, you have, you know, made this Venn diagram essentially of, of what it takes to do that um, is really, really, really a helpful way of looking at riding. And, and it shouldn't, I guess I, I just want to make sure that I say it, it doesn't have, this is like, you know, the, there's more people have gone to the moon or whatever, you know, than have competed in the iron butt rally or six, finished the iron butt rally. This is like the extreme version of it, um, of these, what do they call them? Uh, road grimed warriors, the, uh, the, the, uh, astronauts of, of, uh, motorcycling. Uh, but these are principles that, that really, uh, <laughs> that apply to even your Sunday afternoon ride. You have to have navigational ability. You have to be able to handle stress. You have to be able to change your plan on the fly be able to prepare your bike and yourself for doing it. You have to have the gear, even on a sunny ride. You need to at least have, there's some kind of level of preparation that you can do. So I just want, I, I just wanted to add that in there. And I think that, that it's, that's meant a lot to me in my, and, and doing an iron butt ride, even if maybe, maybe that should be a goal for folks is try a saddle sore 1000. You'll learn a lot. 
<laughs> yeah, well, uh, it was that ride from uh, uh, Fort Benning, Georgia to California that uh, uh, pushed my riding horizon. That's what I call it, a riding horizon. Uh, you know, I was a, uh, uh, before we leave the Venn diagram thing, the Venn diagram is very appropriate because uh, a way to portray that, because all of these things happen at the same time and mm -hmm. uh, they're not uh, uh, isolated things. You're doing all of these activities at the same time. And the only thing that's uh, keeping you doing that is your knowledge, skills and ability of riding your motorcycle. And when you're done with one of these rides, you don't have anything. Well, you have a, a certificate and a patch, maybe. Mm -hmm. There's no money. There's no, no money. war. It's, it's, this is something that is a, I want to get back to that kind of rambling idea. It, it, like the reward is the experience and the experience is transformative. Yeah. You, you, you find new, new, uh, new horizons, like you've said for yourself as a, as a, uh, individual and, I think that gets to why we all ride a motorcycle in the first place. And, and if you look behind me, this is my uh, first iron butt ride uh, that I did in 2000, 1,000 miles in 24 hours. And this is my first uh, uh, iron butt rally or my first motorcycle rally. And this okay. motorcycle here, the BMW R1200 GS Adventure, is uh, the finest motorcycle I've ever ridden in my entire life. And uh, I've got... I've had five of them, and I'm still <laughs> riding uh, uh, the, the 2016. It's got 185,000 miles on it. The so. perfect spaceship for the uh, astronauts of motorcycling, right? Well, it's you know, it's, uh, what's better, Ford or Chevy is the uh, same thing with motorcycling. It gives you all the all – the, you have a lot of, a lot of uh, instrumentation. You, know, how many, you were telling me you, you know, exactly how many miles until you're empty, and it really is accurate. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, the BMW is kind of accurate. It uses uh, a computer to calculate how much fuel is going into the engine, and it knows how much is in the gas tank, so it just calculates it out. I've literally run that thing to zero on its range, and I know that I can get 15 to 18 miles after it says zero. <laughs> uh, I've never run out of motorcycle or out of gas on that motorcycle. So uh, have, knowing your fuel range is an important thing. Well, Give us some examples of some long distance riding techniques that that uh, you would have shared with me um, before I started the Wyman ride. Well, uh, you know, you can do do it yourself long distance riding, and the way I have on my uh, blog, uh, Hard Riding Adventures, is the try to ride from filling up your gas tank to having to stop for gas again. Uh, don't have any brakes in there and just keep riding from tank to tank. You know, a lot of times people ask me, how do you ride a thousand miles on a motorcycle? And I tell them one gas tank at a time. That's all mm -hmm. it is. So if you get comfortable for riding, filling up and then riding until you have to stop for gas again, you know, you got 10, 15 miles left uh, and you work out all the comfort stress issues of being able to do that then doing a 24-hour, 1,000-mile uh, is just riding one gas tank after another and do them in a row. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's the first tip that I would give somebody who wants to get into expanding their riding horizons, uh, going beyond the distance that they've done. 
before, uh, you know, when I was in the army, I was a marathon runner and I was terrified of my first marathon. But I said, you know, if I can just get up to 10 miles, it'll be good. So the next one was 12, 14, 15, 18. Mm -hmm. And I said, God, I'm at 18 miles. Now, if I just do 20 miles, I'll have it made. So I did my first uh, uh, 20 miles and I said, ah, 26 miles is going to be easy after this. So you do your first marathon and it says, oh, I'll just do two or three others, you know. So Mm -hmm. motorcycling, uh, riding long distance is the same way. Set your goals, work, plan your ride, and then ride your plan and be adaptable enough to change things along the way. If you have to, you know, if you're, you're riding from tank to tank and you have a maintenance issue, stop, get it fixed, and then just keep riding. So mm-hmm. it's all about uh, maintaining a consistent ride pace, not a fast ride pace, uh, but a consistent ride pace. And once you know what that consistent ride pace is, then you can plan any ride that you want. Mm-hmm. I remember you telling me that, you know, I was like, are you thinking, you know, this, can I do this on a 250, you know, and, and, and you're like, well, the motorcycle doesn't know the difference. Once you put another tank of gas in it, it could be starting it off on another day. <laughs> and I kind of, I kind of told myself the same thing. I mean, yes, your, uh, your, your uh, iron butt does get a little sore, uh, the second tank of gas, but after a certain point, <laughs> you just keep riding in it. You reach a state of equilibrium. <laughs> yeah, long distance riding is not a comfortable sport. The idea is not to get comfortable on your motorcycle. Mm-hmm. The idea is not to have comfort stress. It, you know, everybody knows that if you got a buzz in your helmet and it feels like somebody's sticking a screwdriver into your helmet, it just drives you crazy, and you can't think of anything else but that, but that uh, issue, right? Well, long distance uh, comfort stress on a motorcycle. It, uh, for long distance is the same thing. You want to get work those things out, get your handlebars in the right position, get a place where you can move your feet, get a place where you can uh, be comfortable in a seat, uh, work all those things out. And having mm-hmm. the right gear for me uh, is uh, one of the best things that you can do. Get rid of your, your uh uh, riding jeans and pants like that because those things just wear out. Feel like you've been been uh, wearing a, a wet diaper for a long time. With those things mm-hmm. uh, in the long distance riding community, uh, most people are like me. They wear undergarments that wick moisture or transfer moisture away from your skin, and they have a riding suit on it. They don't wear any other clothes when you're riding. Uh, I literally rode a thousand miles in under 24 hours in Death Valley on 30th July uh, with all the riding gear that you'd ever want to see. A helmet, gloves, long sleeve jacket, and uh, riding pants and big old uh, uh, adventure boots on. And uh, underneath that, I had LD Comfort long sleeve uh shirt on and riding shorts. They're like, you know, biker shorts. Uh, but these riding, good riding gear is half the comfort uh, mm-hmm. uh, solutions to uh, riding long distance. Once you get good, comfortable gear, 
a helmet that you can wear on for 15 or 18 hours a day without ever taking it off and feeling comfortable in it, feeling relaxed in it. Uh, that's the that's half of it. The other half is just having a motorcycle that'll do it. And like you said, the motorcycle doesn't know. As long as it's got fuel and oil and uh, uh, juice and electricity, it's going to do what it wants to do. It'll do it for six or 8,000 miles, give it a service, and it's happy again, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you're saying about comfort, I think, is really it – all, it, that also gets back to why we ride. No one gets on a motorcycle thinking that it's going to be more comfortable than their car. <laughs> no, no. You want, you want comfort? Take your Bronco. Exactly. Exactly. So this is something it's about, it's really about exploring your comfort level and finding in a new, and well, yeah, that's it. Expanding your comfort level into new, new territory, which is why we ride, which is a fantastic reason to, to, to get into, into uh, motorcycles early on, Tim, you mentioned uh, farkling out your bike. Tell us what the, what fark, tell us what about farkling? Well, farkling is the, uh, uh, uh thing in the long distance riding community we call when we add stuff to our motorcycles to make them uh, uh, more long distance friendly, like maybe a couple of GPSs, uh, some added lights. Uh, A lot of people use an auxiliary fuel tank to where when their main tank uh, motorcycles uh, fuel tank uh, gets low, they turn it off and then switch on. Uh, the auxiliary tank, and they run out of the gas. You know, in the Iron Butt Rally has a limit of uh, 11 and a half gallons between your stock tank and an auxiliary tank. So it, that's what everybody else does. Uh, I had to do that for the Griffin so that I would get uh, uh, about a 300-mile range on it. Uh, mm-hmm. That's my comfort range for riding a motorcycle uh, before filling it up again. Uh, my GS has a 7.8 gallon gas tank, so I can get 325 miles out of it easy, tank to tank. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's one of the farkles people do is add another gas tank, a fuel tank. Uh, A lot of people are putting on uh, their uh, iPhones and their their, uh, Android phones. I use Android Auto, Uh, I have a GPS. It had, for the Iron Butt Rally, I had two GPSs plus a smartphone. So you wanted to have backup. You know, you didn't want to have things uh-huh. done. And uh, one of the, the fun things on the Iron Butt Rally or using two GPSs is uh, they can be exactly the same model and they will fight each other. Some of them will want this guy over here might want you to turn here. This one might say, no, you keep going straight. So, so the <laughs> idea is to not to be a slave to the GPS, but to use the GPS as, as a, a uh, as now. a tool. And you make the decision. You look mm-hmm. at the map and say, no, nah, this, this road over here is a little easier. I'm going to take that one. So uh, a lot of the other Farkles, people will put uh, big cushions on their, on their seats. I didn't need to do that. Uh, between my long distance riding ensemble, the clothes that I'm wearing, and a uh, bead rider, you know, those bead things that they put on taxi seats. I have one on my motorcycle. That's all I need. I can stay on a motorcycle for 20 hours a day and not get butt awareness or feeling (laughs) comfort stress uh, uh, from my rear end. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the older I get, the thing that bothers me the most is my knees because I can't uh, uh, stretch them out far enough and put them on the foot pegs long enough. Uh, but the GS is so tall that I can just ride like this and it just had to dangle my feet off as long as I keep my toes up. Uh, yep. it, it's covered. But like you said, the uh, riding from uh, a full gas tank to having to stop to fuel up again is nothing more than eliminating the the problems caused by comfort mm-hmm. stress. You do that, and eventually uh, you can plan anything you want. And when you do, the Iron Butt Association has got uh, a couple of hundred different kind of rides that you might want to do. Speaking of astronauts and uh, uh, the, the point that you made, we even have a ride that goes from Earth, Texas, to Moon, <laughs> Pennsylvania. And the, the idea is you go t- on one of the anniversaries of the uh, Apollo moon landings. And on that date, you start in Earth, Texas at the launch date and you get to moon in under two days for a saddle sore. Uh, th- it's 1,500 miles away. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's all kinds of different funds. And we've got fun, lots of rides like that. Fun themes, lots of them. Well, one last thing about the George Wyman thing. We just added two rides uh, to its portfolio. Uh, the original Iron Butt uh, uh, Association Wyman rides are the 50cc, which you do it in under 50 hours from San Francisco to California, or the Grand Tour, which is you take 50 days or as many days as you want to visit as many of the places that George Wyman stopped at we, those are all documented, and you'll, you'll be able to see that in the links. At Janus Motorcycles, uh, we are one of the uh, waypoints along the way because George Wyman actually rode right through Goshen, Indiana. Yes, he did. And uh, <laughs> there's a plaque on the outside of the Janus yep. factory and a, a waypoint sign. Uh, but we've added two new rides, and these are the day rides. You know, when George Wyman rode across the United States in 1903, he averaged 75 miles a day, some days longer uh, miles, some days shorter miles. And some days he didn't ride at all because his motorcycle broke down. He was trapped in Chicago for four days one time. Uh, But uh, uh, we've added two day rides, which is the Saddle Soil 1000 or or the Bun Burner Gold 1500. And the idea is you start at a place where George spent the night where he started the next morning and you ride a thousand miles or 1500 miles in under 2,400 hours uh, and stop at a place where he stopped for the night. So it's a day ride. Okay. So now we wow. got four of them. So pretty Very good. good. And the first one of that's going to be done uh, uh, five or seven people. Yes. Seven people have signed up for it already and they're going to start in, in Ogallala, Nebraska and ride to Perrysburg, uh, Ohio. Okay. So one, one last word I'll say about, about Farkle, which is a term that I really love. I think it, is it like a portmanteau of, I've heard functional sparkle or some other yeah, function and sparkle. Yeah. Bling to your motorcycle are <laughs> things that increase its function. Yeah. But what I would say is, you know, what, what we do here at Janus at least, and I think that some people, maybe a lot of people that get into motorcycling, they do it like we've been talking about, not because it's comfortable or because it's practical, but because it's uh, something that's transformative. And 
they, maybe they like what we do with Janus is we pare down the technology. We don't have any, you know, computers like BMWs that tell you exactly how many how much fuel you have. You can add those, but I, I, to me, Farkle is anything on there that you could. It could be a roll chart. It could be a water bottle holder. Um, simple, simple things that make your that ex, that make your riding more. Uh, that allow you to uh, open up your horizons. Um, and, I, and I think it's just, um, I would just kind of, maybe maybe we'll, we'll, we're kind of, we're, we're about an hour, you know, wrap this up by saying that, you know, maybe iron butt riding or long distance riding isn't for everyone, but uh, expanding your horizons, getting out there on the road for more than 25 miles, um, it, it can be a, a, an incredible experience. And, um, and it can add to, just your everyday riding as well. And it's, uh, it's something that's accessible. Um, it's really fun. Uh, Tim, where would, where would people learn more about, uh, about IBA, about the IBA? Uh, just, uh, Google, uh, Iron Butt Association. And, uh, I would even say Google Iron Butt Association theme rides, and that'll uh-huh. take you to our portfolio of rides. Uh, the main, uh, website is great. Uh, if you want to learn more about uh, uh, some of the things I did, just go to Hard Riding Adventures. It's a blog that I've uh, put up, and it has uh, some of the rides that I've done on there, and it has the full text of the uh, ridecraft stuff. And if you want to learn more about the George J. Wyman Memorial Project, uh, it's a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to uh, making George Wyman uh, uh, memorialized his he was the first person to ride a motorized vehicle across the United States. So he I mean, did really it. Really significant. <laughs> yes, it is. He did it uh, 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 long before uh, Dr. Horatio Nelson Jackson did it in, in an automobile the same year, but George did it. And who's in the Smithsonian? Uh, <laughs> the guy that did it in the car, not yep, the guy yep. that did it on a motorcycle. Yeah. Now, so, motorcycling, one last thing, like you said. Yeah. Uh, motorcycling is uh, about having fun. It's a recreational vehicle. You can use it for commuting. You can use it for uh, all kinds of things. But the the, the very bottom uh, line of motorcycling is it's it's a fun activity to do. And you're all by yourself. Uh, you're out there having a good time. And uh, uh, just keep pushing your riding horizons. Solve problems. Go farther. Well, that's a great note to end on, uh, Tim. Um, yeah, I, it's been it's been it's been a lot to me to to, to do the rides I've done. I've done a couple of uh, saddle sores around Lake Michigan. There's a ride I did yeah. down to New Orleans, um, and uh, those and are all just trace. Yeah, just trace. Great. Those are all on two fifties. Now, I will say that the the two fifty line is not. Uh, like the easiest way to do a saddle sore, it's, it, it really requires you to push yourself ec- extra hard compared to uh, like a BMW or a, a larger a Goldwing or a Harley Davidson. But it is possible. Um, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I think I'm looking forward to trying it on a 450. It'll, uh, it'll give me a little more wiggle room in terms of time. <laughs> yeah, I was excited to see you uh, introduce that uh, or increase this, the uh, uh, stable of uh, – 
Janus motorcycles yeah. with that 450. So yeah. uh, when I went to the Iron Butt uh, a party in ja- in uh, Jacksonville, uh, several people come up to me and says, God, I just love that Janus I got. <laughs> so uh, uh, they're, they're, the word's getting out. Oh, that's great. Well, Tim, this has been a pleasure. Um, next time, I'm sure you'll be stopping through. Uh, uh, please uh, stop in and say hello. And um, everybody, uh, yeah, he mentioned his text, uh, what is it, Hard Riding Adventures blog. Check it out. He's got a long resume of long distance riding. Um, check out the Iron Butt Association um, and uh, enjoy enjoy uh, pushing your limits like, like we all do on a, on a motorcycle. It's a, it's a wonderful transformative experience. So thank you, Tim. Pleasure being with you, Richard. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.